Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. In the King James Version, and when you find the place, just stand and reverence the Word of God. It reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Much of the preaching this morning will be lifted from the fifth verse of this passage. It's part of a paragraph that launches the first epistle of Peter, the apostle of Christ. I want to lift this thought today as we share. I want to preach about the very best in personal security. This epistle was written to encourage believers who were experiencing peril and persecution. In fact, it opens with an acknowledgement of the geographic expanse of this persecution, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. The audience that Peter addresses, they were burdened and bewildered. They were scared and they were scattered. But the apostle Peter, he writes with a pastor's heart. The letter to these struggling saints breathed with the aroma of one who obviously has spent time with the Lord. To strengthen their resolve in this passage before us, he reminds them that they have, to use my phrase, he reminds them these struggling saints These persecuted pilgrims, he reminds them that they have the very best in personal security. It's personal. Christianity is a personal relationship. We try to do the best we can to implant and impregnate our children with faith in God. But at the end of the day, they have to make the decision for themselves. So I say personal security because it is personal. Christianity has that characteristic and quality. It is good to know on a personal basis 
that we are graced, that we are gifted, that we are guarded, and that we are guaranteed. Our security, our personal security, is provided by none other than God the Father, who is the author of the plan of salvation. It is purchased by God the Son, who is the agent of the plan of salvation. And it is guaranteed, thank God for that. You can know it for yourself. It is guaranteed by God, the Holy Spirit, who is the administrator of the plan of salvation. I remember when our children were small and we took a church trip to Washington, D.C. We visited many of the notable landmarks there, including the Lincoln Monument. We drove down Pennsylvania Avenue. We saw the Frederick Douglass House. We spent practically a whole day, and you could spend a week in the Smithsonian Museum. But one of the most memorable moments on that trip was our visit to the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. And we witnessed in rapt attention the changing of the guard. The seamless exchange of the white-gloved soldiers as they marched in calculating cadence to their post with weapons hoisted on their shoulders. Their colorful and compelling regimen is a reminder that the unknown soldier's tomb is being guarded at all times from any possible threat or danger. We look at our lives and we realize on a personal basis when we really know him for ourselves, he's the very best in personal security. I had to ask the text the question, if this is true, and it is, how is it presented to us in this passage? And in verse 5, I see three principles that draw from the larger context of this passage. Let me share them with you momentarily, and we'll be through. First of all, the very best in personal security, we have the favor we have from God. Part of this, a large part of it, is the favor we have from God. God's perpetual and persistent protection is only one aspect of our experience as believers. The other aspects or elements are outlined for us in this text. And I wish you'd read chapter 1 for yourself, but I'm going to summarize them. Peter says we have a new paternity or pedigree. We are begotten. We are born again. You see, every child of God has two birth certificates. One that acknowledges your physical birth, but there ought to be another certificate, not in some public health department, but one that's in glory, that accentuates and affirms and validates the fact that there was a point in time when you gave the preacher your hand and you gave the Lord your heart. And you believe this gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A new paternity, a new pedigree. This favor is also about a new possibility. He talks about the bright side of Calvary. The other side of Calvary where the shadows are receding. 
And he talks about the living hope of the resurrection. Death is not the last word. Peter offers to his struggling parishioners this hope, a lively hope of the resurrection. But a new provision, too. Not just a new paternity and pedigree, a new possibility, but a new provision, an inheritance incorruptible. He says in the verses immediately preceding this text today, undefiled, the faith not away, but God has reserved it. He's reserved it in heaven for you and for me. He is guarding this inheritance in heaven, an expression of his favor as he guards us on earth. Noted Bible teacher, the late J. Vernon McGee, tells a story about a frugal Scotsman who was frugal to a fault. He left instructions to his family that he only wanted one word put on his tombstone. And that word was kept. He said, that's the only thing I want you to put on my tombstone is just kept. Because this was one of his favorite verses. We are kept by the power of God. What is the appropriate response to this remarkable demonstration of God's favor? The text tells us we must bless God. The word in the original which is translated blessed, is not the word translated blessed in the Beatitudes. This is the word from which we get our word eulogy. That's the word in our text this morning. And eulogy means to speak well of someone. Speak well of someone. In other words, the church and every child of God who is the object of God's favor should be ready, willing, and able to speak well of God the Father, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The favor we have from God merits our speaking well of God. But there's also the faith we have in God. This personal security, which is noted in the text, is directly attributable to the faith we have in God. And the favor we have from God can only be accessed or appropriated by the faith we have in God. Faith is the currency that we use to transact business in the spiritual realm. Do you have enough spiritual capital to complete the transaction that we're talking about in this text today? The Bible is clear on this point. It is absolutely, unequivocally clear on this point. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But you cannot use the currency of a sophisticated intellect or learned disposition. You cannot use vocational excellence or corporate mobility. You cannot use material abundance or financial prosperity. You cannot use your social or fraternal or sorority connections or the rudiments of a stellar reputation. You must believe. You must believe that he is able. The very best in personal security comes through faith 
unto salvation. I love the Phillips translation of this part of our text. It says, you are guarded by the power of God operating through your faith. I am absolutely astounded every time I cross it in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, when it says, Jesus visited his hometown, and at the end of his visit, it says this, it says, he could do no mighty works. He could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Just think about that, that the power, the inexhaustible power of the Son of God was somehow short-circuited, exempted because of their unbelief. I often think, and perhaps you do too, what would God do in our lives? What could he do in our lives if we just had a little more faith? I think when we get to heaven, God's going to pull the blinds back and say, these are blessings I would have given you. But I could not give them to you because you didn't have the faith. You wouldn't leave your comfort zone. You wouldn't trust me. You wouldn't lean and depend on my word. And so I had to keep these blessings because you would not honor me with your faith. A few years ago, I was preaching in Oklahoma City during, during the week that I was there. One part of the city had a major power failure. And that part of the city lost electricity for some time. Upon investigation, though, it was discovered that somehow a rat had entered into the interior of one of those massive transformers that supplied electricity. The rat was, of course, electrocuted, but it precipitated a power failure. We have to get rid of the rats. The rats of discouragement. The rats of disappointment. The rats of haunting and hobbling failure. The rats of unresolved guilt. We've got to get rid of it so we can lean and depend on God. So he says, the favor we have from God, it is through faith unto salvation. The faith we have in God. But then the final thing is there is the future we have with God. Not just the favor we have from God or the faith we have in God, but this text tells us that there is the future we have with God. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The last movement of the text of the verse is a prospectus. It says unto salvation. Uh, I know one preacher that says there is a distinction between until and unto. He insists that until is to the point and unto is beyond the point. Salvation is unto the point. There's something God does in our lives through the salvation experience that takes us beyond the point that can be marked by time. You might say that it is the tenses of salvation. If you're really a child of God, you and I have been saved. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. That's why when Jesus died on Calvary, he said, it is finished. 
Aren't you glad he said that? He didn't say, I am finished. He tucked his head in his chest. And he said with his dying breath, he said, it is finished. In other words, salvation is secured. Atonement has been affected. We're not just saved from the penalty of sin. That's what grandmama and granddaddy sang about when they said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then we are saved from the power of sin. You see, sin still has power in our lives. The flesh lusteth after sin. But we also have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And that's why Paul said, there's now no condemnation to them who walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. There is in every child of God's life a three-member board. You have the flesh sitting on one side. You have the Holy Spirit on the other side. And whether you like it or not, you are the chairman of the board. And when sin raises its ugly head, flesh makes an argument, and the Holy Spirit counters. And you can say all you want to, the devil made me do it. Or I came from a dysfunctional family, but you decide uh, the final vote. And so I'm so glad uh, that I've got the Holy Ghost uh, living in my life. Uh, I'm not just saved uh, from the penalty of sin, uh, but I'm also saved uh, from the power of sin. Uh, what Peter's saying is that one glad morning uh, uh, when his life is over, we're going to be saved uh, from the presence of sin. Uh, some glad morning uh, when his life is over, I'm going to fly away uh, and be at rest. Uh, you know God has uh, been good to me uh, and I would concur with James Cleveland uh, who said Jesus uh, is the best thing uh, that ever happened to me. Uh, he said it's revealed uh, at the last day uh, and if you read a few verses up uh, it said it's reserved. Uh, yes it is. Uh, this incorruptible inheritance. Uh, this unfading inheritance. Uh, this undeniable inheritance. Uh, it is reserved uh, in heaven for you. Uh, you see I got a trip coming up uh, and I got a confirmation uh, that when I get to the hotel uh, don't need no credit card. Uh, all I have to do uh, is give them my confirmation number cause the hotel room uh, is already reserved. Uh, I do uh, have a witness. Uh, all I gotta do uh, is march up to the desk uh, and pick up my key uh, and the good thing about it uh, it wasn't reserved with my card. Uh, somebody else uh, reserved it for me uh, because I'm their guest. Uh, I do have a witness. Uh, and I'm so glad. Uh, I wish I had somebody. I'm so glad. Uh, I'm so glad. Uh, 
I got some reservations. Uh, uh, when the spirit uh, moves out of this body and the body goes to the ground, uh, don't you count me out. Uh, I'm just going up a little higher to collect my reservation. Uh, now let me go on and wrap this up uh, and let me tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, now I want to go back to the beginning uh, of the sermon. Uh, you heard me talk uh, about the tomb uh, of the unknown soldier. I was standing there and watching those white gloves sentinels uh, take 21 steps. Uh, they would move real slow uh, as they changed the guard. Uh, and then they would turn and face east. Uh, and then they'd turn and face north. Uh, and then they'd turn around uh, and take 21 more steps uh, just walking uh, in front of that tomb. Uh, well, my security is not based uh, on a U.S. soldier. It's not based uh, on a tomb of an unknown soldier. It's based on an unrivaled savior who has an empty tomb. The tomb is empty. Do I have a witness? And some glad morning, I'm going to see him for myself. Now, some of y'all don't get it. Maybe you need to go up to Arlington and check this out. Let me tell you what's going on here. Well, he stepped out of glory and began to march. He marched down through 42 generations. Yes, he did. He marched down through 42 generations. John the Baptist saw him marching, said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Marched out on a stormy sea, rocked and reeling like a drunken man, said, Peace be still. Marched by the pool of Bethesda where a man was crippled for 38 long years. Said, If you got the faith, I got the power. Marched in to a desert place, took a few loads of bread, a few small fish, fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Marched through Samaria with a woman who'd been married five times, got tired of it all, said, I'm going to shack up. He said, Mr. Wright has come along. If you drink, you'll never go try. And then he marched, then he marched, then he marched. Yes, he did. But one Friday, one Friday, he didn't put a gun on his shoulder. He took a cross, an old rugged cross, marched up to Calvary. Yes, he did. There he died. Didn't he die? They stretched him wide. They dropped him low. They hung him high. Somebody said, if you really are the son of God, why don't you come down? But he said, if I come down, you won't be saved. I'm so glad he stayed there. He stayed there. Yes, he did. He stayed there until he paid my sin. He stayed there till he paid your sin. They took him down, put him in a borrowed tomb, but that's not the end of the story. Early Sunday morning, he put victory on his shoulder, got up with all power, all power, all power in his hand, in his hand. And because he lives, and because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fear is gone. Is he able? Is he able? 
Is he able? You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.